This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Praise God, it's wonderful to be here with you. You know, not too long ago, we were all shut down, couldn't get together, and that's the way we've been in Florida and also in Missouri, but uh, here we are. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have a lot to be thankful for, and uh, I got a song that uh, the Lord gave me some years ago. I thought I would sing uh, for you and with you, and it's based on uh, one of the Psalms. Actually, more than one, but it says, um, if it had not been for the Lord, <laughs> I would have fallen and I would have perished, but you, you have sustained me. How many can lift a hand and say, the Lord has sustained me? You've sustained me. That means he, he's kept you and he's continued to strengthen you and help you. Um, and, you know, the enemy is a liar, and he'll come and try to tell you, you know, well, no, if the Lord was helping you, you wouldn't have had to go through this or that. Well, no, the fact is if the Lord wasn't helping you, you wouldn't have made it through that. <laughs> can, can you see this? You wouldn't have made it through it. The Bible said fight the good fight of faith. And, and having done all to stand, stand, well, that lets you know there's going to be something to deal with here and there, right? And you can't be an overcomer unless there's something you got to overcome. Is that right? <laughs> to get over. And the Lord didn't tell us that we'd never have any challenges. But what did he say? If we'll trust in him, he always causes us to triumph. Huh? No matter what happens, you hold on to him, you keep on believing, you keep on fighting the good fight of faith, and when the dust clears, you're still there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I said when the dust clears, you're still there, and you got the victory, and you got the answer in hand, and so the Lord who has got us this far, how many believe he will get us the rest of the way. Somebody say, I'm going all the way. I'm going, I'm going all the way. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to run my entire race. I'm going to finish my complete course. I don't have to be cut short. I'm going to run my race and finish my course because nobody's bigger than God and he can help me get there. So as I sing this, join with me and give thanks to God yourself, thanking him. A lot of this song is just saying thank you, thank you, thank you. And I think it's appropriate that we do that right now. Praise God. Go ahead. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, I thank you. Oh, my Father. Yes, I thank you, Lord, with all of my heart. You've sustained me in times of trouble. And I will thank you with all my heart. Sing it with me as you Oh, I thank you for my 
Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some years ago, the Lord quickened to me. He spoke to my heart. He said, son, I'm helping you much more than you know. Do you believe that's true? He's helping us much more than we know. If all of his grace was suspended from us, we would be helpless. We would be terrible, terrible shape. And so even... When it has seemed challenging, 
we haven't realized how much opposition or attack was against us, and we haven't realized how much the greater one inside us was helping us through the whole thing. And the fact that you made it and you're still here tells the story. Is that right? Something, something happened. So one more time, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for sustaining us. Father, we agree together tonight, all of us do, and those joining us online. We ask you for the anointing that teaches and reveals and illuminates and guides. We ask you for ears that can hear and hearts that can discern and understand and receive. We ask you for answers and direction and help in the name of Jesus. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but to be doers, to act on what you show us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Did you bring a Bible? Thank you. Turn with me in the Scriptures, please, tonight to the book of Isaiah, first chapter of Isaiah. We prayed a prayer. I, I released faith just then. Did you join with me? You're, you're believing, not just to hear from me, believing to hear something from the Lord for you. Hmm? Now, uh, something very important about this, and we'll, I'm actually getting ahead of myself a little bit, but it fits right here. A lot of times the Lord hasn't told people some things they need to hear because he knows they're still unwilling to do it. And if he tells you something that you're unwilling to do, now you're responsible for it. And if you don't walk in the light of it, it can cause you issues. So uh, do you remember how many times the Lord would tell people, uh, him that has ears to hear, yes, sir. let him hear. Well, why would he say that? Most of the people there, almost everybody had ears on the side of their head. They could, what's he talking about? Why, obviously not everybody had ears to hear because he says to those who do have ears to hear it, let them, not everybody, but them hear it. Well, what's the determining factor in having ears that hear and ears that don't hear? Because you can hear and not hear. It's possible two people sit right beside each other in a service and one person hears something that changes their life and get excited and get answers and the other person be bored. And they're in the same service and they heard the same thing, but they didn't hear the same thing. One of the biggest things that makes a hearing ear is a willing heart. A willing heart makes a hearing ear. If you're willing by faith to do what the Lord directs you to do, even before you hear it, then it enables your ear to hear. Uh, the Lord gave me this phrase some years ago. He said, uh, and he talks to you, you know, the way you understand it. Uh, how many believe the Spirit of God speaks uh, every language in Africa and Hebrew 
and Texas and Mississippi slang too. He also, he talks to you the way you understand. It wouldn't be any good to speak to you in a way you didn't understand. And he said this to me about, he said, uh, uh, you'll pick up the plan on the willing band. You know, like there's an AM band and an FM band. Well, if you're trying to pick up an FM station, but your radio's on the AM band, you'll never get it. Right? You got to get on the right, right band width. And uh, you will pick up the plan, God's plan for your life, the things you need to hear, on what band? The willing. <laughs> the, the willing band, when, you, when your heart is willing. And you'll see that in this uh, verse right here, Isaiah 1. A lot of you may have it marked already. Verse 19. Isaiah 1, 19. Do you have this one marked? Somebody does? It says, it starts out with a, with a very important word. <laughs> If, so the rest of what he's going to read is not automatic, it's, it's conditional. If you be what? Willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Did you know that the enemy is called the destroyer and he also is referred to as the one who devours? <coughs> the, the devourer. Uh, the scripture said in, in, in 1 Peter talked about that the, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. One of the great benefits of being a tither is that the scripture says the devourer will be rebuked for your sake, off of you and your stuff. There are blessings. Um, the devourer, he said, will, is going to be in action and effective if you refuse and rebel. Now, a lot of people in our circles, you know, faith circles, word circles, charismatic circles, all of these kind of folks, they, they like this Isaiah 119B. <laughs> you shall eat the good of the land. That's pretty much where people tune in. <laughs> you shall eat the good of the land. And people go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I claim that. I claim that. That's not your part. That's not your responsibility. <laughs> Causing you to eat the good of the land is not your part. Your part is part A. My part is part Isaiah 119A, which is what? If you'll be willing and you'll be obedient, it started, I'll start it with an if. So if you're not going to be willing and you're not going to be obedient, you can forget, right, the good of the land. <laughs> Y'all are quiet. <laughs> Am I reading the Bible, though? Is this, is this true? Uh, this is not uncommon that people focus on a, a half of a verse that they like 
and they only want to talk about that part, but, but there are prerequisites. There are, uh, the Bible is full of, if you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, then this won't happen, but this other bad thing will happen. If. A lot of verses start off with an if. Which is also revealing that God is not controlling everybody and everything. Uh, God is in control. Complete control is one of the most damaging doctrines against the church there has ever been. Now, if you want to say God is all powerful, he's all wise, and his ultimate plan will be done no matter what, that's a true statement. But whether you get part of it or not is another thing. Hmm? And even though God has a part, a place for you in the plan, you can live and die and never do it and never have a part of it because we really do have a completely free will. And if God is controlling everybody and everything, there can be no if. Come on, think about it. If you do this, this will happen. If you do that, something else will happen. If God's already made the plan concerning you and everything else, and it's going to happen whether or not, there can be no if. The plan of God's going to happen no matter what you do or don't do. But this is not true. Millions believe it. All kind of preachers preach it. But it is not true. I mean, the Lord said, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. Then what did he say? I've already made the plan, and it's going to happen the right way. No. What did he say? You choose. If he's controlling everything, there can be no if. And many verses start off with an if. If. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that, what I just got through saying. Of course, I was quoting scriptures. Because people like what I call no-fault religion. <laughs> what do you mean? No matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what didn't happen, it's not my fault. It must have been the mysterious will of God. That means you have no responsibility. It's just not true, though. It's not true. Uh, let me read this from some other translations. Uh, the NIV, the, it says it like this. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best from the land. Now, sometimes people try to relegate that to agrarian because that was their wealth back then. They, didn't just, they just didn't have some other things. But you know, everything we had, take a, take a new automobile. It came out of the ground. Huh? The metals, the steel, the leather, the oil for the plastic and rubber products and all that. It came out of the ground. Can you see that? 
you clothes, especially all your natural fibers for your clothes, cotton and everything else, came out of the ground. Is that right? And so you still, if you're talking about new clothes or a new car, I mean, if you're talking about a, a house, the wood certainly came out of the ground and the elements that made the cement and concrete came out of the ground too. It all came out of the ground. And so if you're enjoying a, a new car, a new house, or new clothes, you're, you're eating the good of the land. Can you see that? It's still the best of the land. They just didn't have, you know, automobiles back then, but the Lord gave the wisdom to bring them out of the ground. And so uh, you'll eat the best, it said. The, the BBE says the good things of the land will be yours. Do you like the sound of that? Well, who did God, God gave the wisdom for the nice things and good things. Did he only give it for the unbelievers? Hmm? This is a little bit weak response, guys. Uh, I'm just talking about, if you expect to have something different, you got to make up your mind whether you believe this or not. You, you can't be non-committal about it. Uh, the, you know, $100,000 Mercedes, only for sinners, no. right? No. Only for believers. No. Million-dollar houses, no. two-million-dollar houses, only for unbelievers, no. not for believers. Why, why would we think that? Why would we believe that, that God only gave the knowledge, the understanding, the technology to develop the materials, to do the things, and not it didn't want any of his children to enjoy it. And yet, religion teaches that God doesn't want you to have anything. And yet, the Bible, remember the Bible? <laughs> it says God gives us richly all things to enjoy. It says, the Lord is my good shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. That implies for any good thing. And if God didn't spare his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If there was ever anything, the Lord would have said, that's too much. It would have been Jesus to give to you. If he'll give you Jesus, he'll sure give you a car. Is that right? Or a house, right? And actually in giving you Jesus, he gave us every good thing too, when he did. That's not the issue. Um, the issue is, will you obey him with the stuff or without the stuff? Will you obey him? Are you willing to obey him? Or do you want that thing so much that you'll disobey him to get it? Or disobey him to keep it? Come on, can you see? Then you disqualify yourself from him giving you the good things of the land. There's more than one way to get things. Hmm? Just because you got a bunch of stuff and money, that doesn't prove God blessed you with it. We don't know how you got that. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Just having it is not automatic evidence of the blessing of God. 
People lie and steal and get things, right? I mean, you can get your pistol and go take money away from people. You got money, but God didn't give it to you. But for the Lord to add things to you his way and his time, you have to wait on him and follow him, and the thing must not be more important to you than him or than his plan or than his will. And he will from time to time ask you for your Isaac. Do you know what I mean by that? Huh? Abraham, you know, uh, he and Sarah couldn't have a child, and in their old age, God gave them Isaac. I mean, this is the fruit of decades of believing God, and he's finally here, and the dream has come to pass, and hallelujah, and then one morning, God says, give him to me. Huh? Huh? Will God ever ask you for your Isaac? He will. What's your Isaac? The thing that means a lot to you. The thing that's your favorite. Hmm? And it is the only way to demonstrate that you care more about him than you do that. Talk is talk until you actually do it. So the life of faith and the life of walking with God is supposed to be one that includes the blessings of the Lord and enjoying some good things. But every day in your heart, even though you might have a great house, in your heart you live in a tent. What do you mean? You're ready to move? The Lord says move, you will move. If he says sell that thing, you will sell it. If he says give it to somebody, you will give it to somebody. And everybody agrees with that in church. Come on. <laughs> Everybody's like, amen, that's right, preacher, until it's time for you hmm? to leave the place you have been fond of for the last 30 years. Hmm? and turn loose of everything you've built up and known and go into a complete unknown. I know uh, <laughs> y'all got quiet again on me. But how many believe if the Lord asks you for your Isaac, why would he do such a thing? Why? Because if... You are willing to obey him in that. You are in an elite group because most people on the world, in the earth, won't give him the time of day. Much less obey him in the things that are the most important to them. And if you will obey him like Abraham did, then it gives him a right to do things for you that he's not able to do for most of the planet. Gives him a right to do. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Are y'all okay? <laughs> Just hold on. Uh, tell me what the text said. Huh? If, if you be willing and obedient, 
You'll eat the good of the land. Go, go with me to Genesis 22 while we're talking about this. Genesis 22. So you're believing with me now that you're not just hearing from me. You're hearing from him. There are a lot of different directions we could go teaching and preaching. But we're believing we're hearing from him. Genesis 22 is the account of what we just talked about that God had asked Abraham to give him Isaac. And without going through the whole story, you know that he did. And in Genesis 22, uh, when he raised up his hand to give Isaac to God completely and totally, the Lord, the angel called to him and said, stop. And he turned around and a ram was there in verse 13, caught uh, in the thicket. And Abraham, verse 14, he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as, it's, as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord uh, called to him the second time and said, by myself, now this is God talking, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Isaac, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Read the rest of it out loud with me. Huh? Because you have obeyed my voice. Because you did it. Uh, knowledge isn't obedience. Intention isn't action. Right? So many times, folks, in their heart and mind, they're convinced, I'm willing, or... The Lord said, do something, and they just hadn't got around to it yet. But they are fully intending one of these days to do it. That, my friend, is disobedience, and it's a trick of the enemy. Oh, the enemy knows so much better than most human beings how brief our time is. And he knows if he can get us to procrastinate and then procrastinate that we'll run out of time. We don't think we will, but he knows we will. And it will work out that we never obeyed God. And in doing that, the Lord still loves us. And if we've received Jesus as our Lord, we'll go to heaven. But we will have forfeited his best in this life. We will have forfeited so many good things that he planned for us to be a part of or to enjoy. Because you'll eat the good of the land, even that side of it, it starts with what? If, if you're willing and obedient. 
You, you first got to be willing to even hear some things. There's no need in even talking to you about some things if he knows you're not willing. But if you get willing and then you go beyond being willing and actually act on what he directed you to do, it gives God a right to manifest his presence and his power and it gives him a right to use you for things that most of the world will never be used in and to do things for you that most of the world will never experience. That is not an exaggeration. It's a fact. It's a Bible truth. Because most of the world will not obey him. They just will not. And even much of the church, they love the Lord, but they don't see the Lord as the Lord. Millions of church-going people that are genuinely saved, if they died right now, they'd go home to be with the Lord. Thank God. But they see God as an add-on to their life, helping them live their life. And that's not him being Lord, that's him being Savior only. Can you see this? Millions of church-going people, that's, that's how they see God as when they need help living the life they want to live, following their plan for their life, then God, they can call on him and help him. And when they get in trouble, they can call on him and him get them out of trouble. But if that's all you, you know of him and all you've given to him, you will be forfeiting his best for your life. The scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. Millions of Christians are genuinely saved, but they are not living in the perfect will of God. They're living, doing their own thing seeing God as an add-on. When you go to God and you get his plan, what he wants you to do, you don't have to struggle to get it blessed. It came from him. It came blessed. Huh? You don't have to struggle to get him to provide for it and underwrite it because it's his idea. Can you see this? We need to spend more time before we start a thing. Hmm? Getting the plan from him instead of trying to get him to bless our plan. Because he's perfect, he's not going to change. Never, I don't care how, if you struggle with something for 40 years trying to get him to help you do your own thing, never is he going to concede and give in to you and say, okay, I had a good plan, but let's forget it. We'll do your thing. He's not going to do that. It would be unkind to you. If he did, he will let you do your own thing. And you will struggle. And you will not experience his best. 
it'll be acceptable, it'll be okay, but it won't be his best because you're not willing to do what he said. <clears throat> Isn't this a wonderful thing? Abraham is a name that'll be forever heralded. <laughs> is that right? Throughout the ages, all of us, we never met the man, but we love Abraham. Is that right? He's our father, the Bible tells us. He's a father of faith. Why, child of God? Why is he in the book? Why is he in the book? Hmm? Well, when you go back to the beginning of the story, when, uh, Ab when, when God called Abram before his name was changed and his father and his people were in the land of Haran, and he told him, he said, uh, leave your family and go to a place I will show you. And Hebrews tells us and Genesis tells us he obeyed. Will somebody say he obeyed? He, he obeyed and went out not knowing where he was going. And this is why he's in the book. Yes, it's faith, but faith without an action is dead. Right? Real faith is demonstrated in action. It's like the little child on the, the high diving board. Right? And daddy or mama down in the pool and going, and if they're up there saying, I trust you, daddy. I trust you with my life. Jump. Uh, not right now. <laughs> this board is really high. Well, it's empty talk. It's easy to talk about how much you trust God, right? But until you actually take the step and do what he told you to do, it's empty talk. Faith without an action is dead. But Abraham, he did it. He went out. I mean, think about the story. He's packing up. His friends and neighbors says, man, you're leaving us? Yeah. Where are you going? Uh, that away. <laughs> what, what town? I don't know just yet. The Lord told me he'd tell me later. Don't you know they left going, ooh. I thought he was smarter than that. And you'll see that through every juncture of his life the Lord would tell him to do something, and I mean he would do it. Not tomorrow, not the next day. He would do it. Even when the Lord told him, give, uh, give me Isaac, the Bible said the very next morning, he loaded up the donkeys, he loaded the stuff, and he headed out. Not, I need to pray about it. We need to talk about it. Because there's a big danger. Uh, and go, go with me to the book of James. This is a big subject, but you're believing with me, right? Yes. Are we okay? Yes. Why would the Lord have us talking about this? What, what would be the end result? He cares about you. He really does. And he doesn't want you missing out on anything that he has for you, he wants you to be fully utilized and he wants you to enjoy his highest and his best. 
but it'll require that you're willing to absolutely obey him and completely obey him, even though most people don't and won't. You can make the choice and say, well, no matter what anybody else does, I'm going to obey him. All I need to know is, is it God? Right? I got to know that. And once I'm clear and confident that it is, here we go. Right? Here we go. And if you do, you will experience what most people do not. In James, the first chapter, and verse uh, 22, James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Now what, what happens if you're not a doer? Deceiving your own selves. Hope you're not sleeping through this now. This is, this is really an answer to some things right here. There is a danger a giant danger in procrastinating. It's a trick of the enemy. What, what happens is if you know something to do, how many remember the scripture said, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is, it's sin. Well, sin is not some denomination's list that they made up. Sin is violation of light, violation of what you know. Listen to how that, that's in the same book of James here, to him that knows to do good. It's actually in 4.17 right here, James 4.17, to him that knows to do good and does it not. Did you notice the next two words? To him, it's sin. Why would you say to him? Isn't sin sin? Isn't it the same for everybody? Apparently not. Right is right and wrong is wrong, but we're all at different places of light and understanding. And thankfully, the Lord doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't know and what you don't see. And he knows what you see and what you don't see. But if we violate light, then... Uh, you're not being a doer of it. And if you don't do it, what follows? Self-delusion. Self-deception. You can't even blame this on the devil. <laughs> Who did it? You did it to yourself. What does that mean? I know one, one time I was praying about something, and it had been an issue that I had been dealing with for years. I didn't have the answer to it. And finally one day I spent some extra time praying about it. I thought, Lord, what? Show me what to do on this. Show me the answer to this. And I saw, I don't mean an open vision, but in, in my heart, my mind's eye, I saw me doing this. I saw me saying, Lord, show me what it is. Whatever it is, if you would just show me, I really, I really need to see what it is, Lord. <laughs> what, 
what, what is it, Lord? And, and I stopped and I thought, and the thing that was in front of my face, I realized he had told me that, shown me that years ago. And I didn't do anything with it. Now, I intended on it. I intended. But what happened? Over a period of months, I forgot about it. It faded. And over a period of years, I was deluded into thinking I, the Lord had not given me the answer. So I'm looking for something he's already given me. And you can frustrate yourself for decades doing this. And it's not his fault. It's your fault or my fault because if I had acted on that, then if I'd acted on the answer, more light would have come. And more light would have come. That's how he leads step by step. The path of the just is like the light that shines brighter and brighter. But when you know what to do, but you just won't do it, and days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months, you get to a place where you believe you don't know the answer. And now, you will, no matter what you do, you will not find the answer because he's already given the answer and he's not going to change. Unless by the grace of God, you seek him and get serious and come back and let him bring back up to you what he's already shown. Not acting immediately on what we know is dangerous. It puts you in a place of being deceived. Deceived means you believe something is true that's not true. You believe this is not the problem when it is the problem. You believe you can't find the answer when he's already shown you the answer. Can you see this, child of God? Oh, but when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have unhindered, unrestricted fellowship between us and him, and we don't stumble in the darkness we know what to do, know where to go, know how to do it. We function by the unction. We're flowing in the knowing. It's a wonderful life. It's called walking in the light. And all light is, is what you know. Now you can fool people about what you know. You can act like you didn't know it. You can go, oh, was that what you meant? And you knew what they meant. Oh, I was supposed to do that? And you know you were supposed to do it. You can play games with people, but not with God. All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You can't play him. You can't snow him. He knows what you know because he was there when he showed it to you. <laughs> you can't tell him you don't know. Because he's the one that showed it to you. you. He knows what you know. He sees what you see. <laughs> Are y'all okay? All right, I'm checking you out. I'm looking to make sure you. If, if something gets a little too close to home, now don't freeze up and get a scowl on your face because then you're telling everybody that you've got disobedience problems. 
Everybody that looks at you goes, why are they frowning so much? Oh, they must be a lot of disobedience there. No, no, you just look straight ahead and smile and go, amen, Brother Keith, amen. Somebody needs to hear this. Go, go ahead. And then when you get home, you can fall across the bed and go, oh, God, I repent. But in here, just be cool, just be cool. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're willing and you're obedient, what will happen? You'll eat the good of the land. Go to Job, the 36th chapter, because it says a similar thing. And the scripture says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Thanks be to God. Job 36, 11 says this. If they obey him, starts off with an if, and serve him, this is Job 36, 11, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, they'll perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Is there a benefit to obeying? Now, I think some people have misunderstood. They've thought, well, yeah, but Brother Keith, we live under the age of grace. Absolutely we do. But that doesn't do away with the need to obey God. <laughs> that doesn't change that at all. It does mean that my being righteous is not based on my obedience. Let me say it like this. Our righteousness isn't based on what we do. Our reward is. Our reward is based on what we do. The Lord said in the New Testament, numerous places, he'll reward us according to our works and according to what we do. That's not whether you're saved or not. Our righteousness is based on what Jesus has done for us not what we do. But if you don't obey him in this life, you won't experience his best. And you won't have the same reward that you should have had after this life. You'll be saved, but you, you will have forfeited some things. I don't like that word, forfeit. Give up. Do without. You like that word? Sometimes people say, well, hey, you know, man, if I can just make it in through the pearly gates. That's a, whew, if I can just go, whoo, I, I made it. Well, you say that now. But there's going to be a lot of existence after this life. And child of God, you will be so thrilled if you obeyed him fully down here when you see your reward. It's eternal. It never fades. He's, he's going to give people charge over whole cities in the coming kingdom. Some will rule over five and ten cities. I'm quoting scriptures. You might say, where is that? Go look it up. It's there. 
reward. The Lord wants us to be motivated by this. Not just go, well, I accepted Jesus. I'm saved. That's it. Done. Whew, I made it. <laughs> no, you ain't made it yet. You got to finish this life. Right? There are things that need to be done. There are accomplishments to have. There is reward to reap. And this will come through our obedience daily to the direction of the Spirit of God in our lives. He, he has a plan for us. We're not just going to be sitting on clouds strumming harps for eternity. Now, if you want to do that for a day or two, you probably will be able to. But I assure you, how many thousands of years do you want to do that? God is a God with the plan, not a plan, the plan. And he's big on productivity. And if you don't know that, you need to read the scriptures again. He's he big on fruitfulness, producing, producing. He wants us producing good things. And we can't do it, of course, in our own strength, but with the help of the greater one. We can step out and take steps of faith and he can manifest and cause things to happen that set things in motion, that keep developing even after your life is over. It can still be bearing fruit down here in the earth. And you talk about having fun when you're through with your work and you're rejoicing in heaven and you're still reaping spiritual dividends on what you sowed on the earth because the Bible said that they'll rest from their labors but their works do follow them. People say, well, you can't take it with you. That's not completely true. <laughs> you can't take the material stuff with you, and you wouldn't want to. Your good stuff is over there. But the things that last, the, the fruit of your labors or the fruit of your obedience, you take with you. It will go with you into the next life. Oh, friend. If we really understood this, we would be so stirred up to be obedient. Come on, somebody just say it by faith. I choose to be willing and obedient. Hallelujah. That qualifies you to experience his best in his plan and even good things in this life and reward in the life to come. Hallelujah. If they obey and serve him, they'll spend their days in prosperity. Anybody volunteer for that? Spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure, enjoying some things, not, not evil things, but enjoying some good things. God's not opposed to you enjoying uh, things. He's opposed to things that hurt you, destroy you, kill you. But every good thing he wants you to enjoy because every good gift and every perfect gift comes straight from him and he never changes. But not everybody gets to enjoy his highest and best because most people, many people I should say, they just, they're too occupied with their own things and when it comes down to it, they're unwilling and because you can hide some of these things from other people, exactly what God did with you to do, people just go year after year 
procrastinating and waiting and unwilling and until you get to the place where it didn't bother you anymore and, and you forget about it. And, and, but then you're dissatisfied and you just feel like there's more. There's just, there should be more. You know why you feel that way? Because there's more. Yeah, deep calls to deep. When something in you is telling you there's more, it's because there's more. <laughs> but you, in, in that case, you or I would have deceived ourselves into thinking we don't know what to do when the Lord told us years ago what to do. And if we'd have done it, one thing would have led to another, would have led to another, would have led to another, and we would be involved in some things by now that would be amazing to us. We wouldn't be dissatisfied because he's not the God of almost enough. He's the God who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all you've asked or thought. I know in Phyllis and my, my wife Phyllis and my life in ministry, we're in the ministry now almost 40 years. And um, going back to when we left our home in Mississippi, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, looking back now, we didn't have a lot. I had a little used pickup, and we had a little uh, secondhand mobile home that was in poor shape, but it's what we had. It was our life, and the our people were there, and, and none of my people for the previous generation had left home. We had uh, I don't know, 150 acres or something out there that my great-granddad had cleared and paid for, his, took his whole life to pay for. And, and uh, we, uh, this is our life. And um, the Lord began to deal with me and Phyllis to leave home and go out to broken something in Oklahoma. It was a town called Broken Arrow. I mean, we, you know, an hour away is about as far as we had ever been. You know, town was 20 minutes away. We lived in the sticks. And that's about the only place we ever went. You know, you went to the grocery store, get some stuff, and then you go home and grew most of what we ate. And country people. And, uh, I got a, a job at the general store that was a few miles from there, one of the best jobs in the little town that there was. I had a fast motorcycle. I had a dog that would catch my Frisbee. I had a pretty wife. I mean, I'm set for a country boy. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing really good. <laughs> and... Uh, I began to feed on materials. I was, we were introduced to materials from Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Savelle and Kenneth Hagen. And I didn't know it, but God was feeding my spirit. You know, a lot of times, not a lot of times, all the time, he has to build you up to get you to the place where you can even hear what he wants to tell you about because until your faith gets built up, if he told you what he wanted you to do, you'd go, oh, impossible, impossible. No way, no way, no way. You wouldn't even be able to hear it. Well, after a year or so of feeding on faith things, 
I didn't know it, but my spirit's getting built up. We had subscribed to the Hagen's magazine, and Rama, and it came, a, a, a copy came, and it was the graduating class. And they were all in red with their gowns and caps on the front page. And I picked that up, and just for a moment I thought, wouldn't that be something? Learning about the Word of God. And then I thought, yeah, oh yeah. And I put it back down. But can you see, just that moment for me to consider it, a few years ago, I would have never even considered it. But I considered it for a moment. And then after another year and a half of feeding on the Word of God, the Lord prompted myself and Phyllis to travel out to Oklahoma and go to the camp meeting. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but it was, it was like, you know, sailing across the ocean for us. I mean, we, we're country people. We didn't, we didn't have a car that would make it. And didn't have the money, and but this is how faith works. It kept coming up in us, and we both agreed the Lord's dealing with us to go. So we made plans to go, not knowing how or by what means, but we made plans, and we made plans to take off from time from our work and, and when to go. And it was up to the week before, or the week of actually, that we're leaving, and somebody loaned us their new car. And, and that last couple of days, people were handing us money. And when we got in the car to, to head over there, I said, I got money today. She said, I did too. <laughs> and we had enough money for our gas, for our hotel. Now, we got lost going back to the hotel almost every night. <laughs> Just country. Didn't, never, been out, never been in a big town. But, and, and we didn't have any extra, so we just stayed in the, in the convention center all day and ate those uh, nachos with the liquid cheese, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and stood in line for hours to get a seat, but we were so thrilled. And, man, during that meeting, oh, my, my, I didn't know there were that many people in the world that spoke in tongues. <laughs> and the things we saw and the things we heard and it affected us. And in the middle of the meeting, they were taking tours out to Ramah, and they were free. So we thought, well, we can do that. <laughs> and we went out and took a tour. And uh, uh, in between services, you know, so they were taking the tour through the buildings, and we got our memory distinct SDC2 to the music department. And the Lord dealt with me, we're supposed to come. I thought, what? I, I didn't say a word. I didn't even look at Phyllis. <laughs> and so I, I just, uh, we kept going through the, uh, uh, the buildings, and we went out and got on the bus, and we're driving back, and we got downtown. And Phyllis said to me, did you ever know you were supposed to do something, and you didn't really want to do it? And I said, what? <laughs> what, what do you mean? And then she said, it stinks here. Well, the, the convention center is downtown by across the river from the refinery. And it was August, and it was hot, and it smelled bad. And all the way home, driving home from the meeting, we talked about it. We looked at it. We didn't see how in the world we could, uh, could do it. Why, why am I telling you all this? 
huh? What's, uh, what's, the, what's the issue here? First of all, are you going to go to the meeting? There's a thousand excuses why I can't go to the meeting. Don't have the money, don't have a car that'd make it, don't know how, never been, got work, got work, got work, got work, <laughs> family, family. Why, why, am I, why am I telling you this? If we hadn't gone to that meeting, there wouldn't be any more life ministries. There wouldn't be any faith life churches. I wouldn't be preaching to you tonight. Come on, can you see this? One, you don't get to step 50 if you never take step one. And the Lord's not going to tell you about step 50. There's no need to talk to you about it if you are not willing to take step one. We, we made the commitment to go. It seemed impossible. When we, we registered and we got to town and we couldn't find a place to live. We figured in a big city like that, you know, there's got to be lots of places to live. You know, there wasn't. And we're spending our registration money on hotel rooms. And Phyllis cried. And I felt bad. And it was every opportunity to load up in the truck and go home. But we obeyed by the grace of God. We found us a place, and we made it through the first month, and we made it through the next month, and I thought, we're going to go one year, one year, and then go back and be a, be a help in our churches. Well, at the end of that year, the Lord dealt with us to stay another year, and that turned into 20 years. Oh, but so many good things. I don't have time to even start to tell you about all the good things. We found places we found ourselves in, services and things we heard and saw, and people we wound up being around and getting to know and fellowshipping. And, and when we were leaving our little trailer and our truck, and, and my, I had a hot rod, a 37 Ford Coupe that I'd spent all my extra time and money on, and the Lord dealt with me, leave it alone. Just leave it where it sits, go. Hmm. I, I needed to, uh, he's asking me for my Isaac. Can you see that? Uh, he, he doesn't care if I have 10 of these, but it can't be more important to me than obeying him. Can you see that? I left it right where it was sitting. Eventually, I sold it for parts. And, and drove around in a little six-cylinder pickup that had no power at all. It was a gutless wonder. <laughs> but it got me to school. I'm used to having something as fast. But it got me to school. And after several years, the Lord let me know I could enjoy. I could have a nice car. But I, if he deals with you to sell it, you sell it. If he deals with you to sow it, you sow it. It's not something you serve. You use, or you give, or you sell, or but your main thing is hearing from God and getting his plan and doing his plan and all these other things are just benefits, side things. And so after 20 years there in the ministry, 
We'd been using our faith. First, we lived in a little apartment in the rough part of town. We, it came furnished, and it was not nice. <laughs> it was ripped and torn and stains, and uh, but we were thrilled to have a place. And uh, it had a, uh, a massage parlor at the end of the block, a school, to, a school of metaphysics on one side, and a motorcycle gang lived in the building on the other side. And as a welcome, they siphoned all the gas out of our vehicles the first week we got there. <laughs> but we made it through, and uh, the Lord answered our faith and prayers. There were some people showed up to visit us the same day our gas got siphoned out and gave us money. It was just thing after thing after thing. We're learning how to be led by the Spirit. We're learning how to use our faith. And this happened. So we, then we believed to get into get an apartment in a better part of town. And, and finally we did that. Then we believed God to get another apartment that you didn't have to carry everything up four flights of stairs. And, and then we believed God after, I don't know, five years to get our own rent house that had our own washing machine, that you didn't have to go to the laundromat. And we got that, had a garage. Woo, thank you, Lord. <laughs> then we believed God to get a, a house. It was a nice house, two-story house. This is over the course of, you know, 10-plus years. Then we had our faith on what was to us a dream house. And the Lord had helped us to get it. I mean... We got it, and we got it for half price. I don't, I won't go into all the story, but it was a, uh, oh, what was it? It was on an acre and a half of land in one of the primo spots. It had a tennis court and a giant uh, swimming pool. It had eight car garage and marble floors and all this stuff. And we got it for pennies on the dollar. Now, we were traveling so much until a year and a half later, we still didn't have our pictures hung. But we had it. And Phyllis wanted to redo the kitchen back, the stainless had just come out. And she wanted to do it in all the stainless stuff. And we believed God for, I don't know, a year or so. Somebody came and handed her an envelope full of money and said, I know you're believing for something. Maybe this will help towards it. It covered her kitchen. And I mean, she completely redid it. It looked wonderful. And about a month after that, well, I left out part of it. I had learned how to fly during that time. And we got a little airplane, little bitty one, single engine propeller, uh, but, and, and, and a hanger. That was one of the most challenging things to get a hanger. But we got one and got it paid for. And it was just 10 minutes from the house. And, and we can, we're traveling, preaching, and enjoying ourselves, and the Lord deals with us, leave and go to Branson, Missouri. Uh-huh. It's taken us 20 years to get, you know, out of the bad part of town and to this place. Phyllis just finished her dream kitchen. It's been about a month or two ago. She just finished her dream kitchen. We got relationships. We know people. We've got ministry. We got ministry uh, building and, and offices and and uh, 
Every time we'd pray about it, he'd come up to us. We went up there and drove around and looked. And Branson's a small place. 10,000 people's total population. And uh, the airport was a little bitty thing and uncontrolled and, and just not a, a good place to travel out of and no hangars available. And uh, over a period of days, you're, you're going, dealing with this in your spirit. One morning, I'm, I'm shaving, and this is going over with me. Are, you, are we really going to do this? sell our house, we're going to sell our hangar, we're going to liquidate everything, we're going to, I don't know, we don't know anybody over there, it feels like you're starting over from scratch, are we going to do this? And I, clarity just came in my spirit, the Lord said, you know this is me. I just laid my razor down, I said, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, we will, we will do it, and we'll be glad to do it. And just like that, come flooding up out of my spirit. He said, I'm going to give you the best of Branson. That's the phrase he gave me. I'm going to give you the best of Branson. I didn't know what that meant. But is it scriptural? Huh? I didn't even think about this scripture when this was happening to me. But is this scriptural? If you will be what? Willing. And I, I had been dealing with that for a few days and Phyllis too about are, are we really willing to do this? Willing and not just willing and good intentions but you got to quit playing with it at some point and we're going to do it. I, I, I wrote it down. I knew it was the Lord spoke it to me. I went and told the staff and I told them we're relocating. They'd have to decide what they're going to do. Every one of them followed us. Every one of them relocated with us. Of course, they had to sell their places and go find places. And we moved there, and like I said, the, the airport was, it wasn't adequate. We had to drive an hour to get to the plane and to travel, and, and we rented a little house. We sold our house that we had believed God for years and moved into a small, small little thing. The water didn't work. It was too close to a golf course. And I'd be trying to study in the kitchen and golf balls would hit the side of the house and just, you'd be quiet, oh, boom. And we're thankful for it, but it was such a step down from where we were. Because we, we liquidated almost everything we had and put it into the, the next property and, and, and getting things going, starting from scratch. And it was a year or two, you know, you just didn't have some things that you wanted to have. But over the course of the next five years, the Lord gave us 10-some acre property that seated over 3,000 people and paid for it and brought people in. Gave us a house overlooking the lake. Biggest, nicest house we'd ever had. And... A few years later, they built a brand new airport right there with a control tower, only one that had been built with private money in the last 50 years in the U.S. It's a miracle. And thing after thing, and then eventually we moved to another property on the Strip, 70 acres, right in the middle of everything it literally is the best. 
It is. It's the best of Branson. The Lord did it. I said the Lord did it. But will he make you obey him? Do you reckon he's dealing with people all over the place to do things and to take steps? And how many are saying, no, they don't have time, they're too busy, they got this, they got that, they can't, there's no way, impossible. And it's not impossible, nothing's impossible with God. It's just a lack of willingness and lack of faith to step out and obey. I'm not claiming we've done everything perfect on all those areas, but every time, by the grace of God, we did step out to obey him, that's when we've seen the most amazing things that have happened in our life. Miracles have happened. Amazing things came into our life, and we were enabled to do things that we never imagined we'd be able to do. And looking back, I thought it was hard to turn loose of my hot rod and, and my trailer and my motorcycle. But uh, how pitiful it would have been to forfeit everything God has done for me to hold on to that little stuff. And yeah, you know, leaving your family and those kind of things that uh, you're thinking, well, what about our relationships? And it was. There were some things. It was 10 years, 15 years. Some of, some of our folks thought that we just went crazy. We went off the deep end. But some of those same people, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years later, we were able to help them. We were able to help them spiritually. We were able to help them even financially. And we would not have been in any place to do it if we hadn't obeyed God. The greatest thing you'll ever do for your family and your friends is obey God all the way. Go all the way with God. And it can seem like you're just getting further and further away from them, but there'll be a time when they need help and God can use you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You can, you can breeze through life. You can be lazy spiritually. You can say, I'm used to what I'm used to, and, and, and I'm too old to move. A lot of times it can take as much or more faith to stay than it does to move. Hmm? If you're wanting to bail and the Lord said stay, then it takes just as much or more faith to stay than it does to go. But it's not going or staying. What is it? It's obeying. And who knows exactly what God has told you inside. Nobody knows that like you do. But you don't want to play games with it. You don't want to act like he didn't tell you something. You don't want to act like you didn't understand it. You want to acknowledge it and you want to trust him and you want to step out to obey him and if he asks you for something that seems big, even your Isaac, if you understood it, you'd shout because you know he's got plans to do things with you and for you that most people on the planet will not experience. Because he believes you trust him enough to obey him like that. Stand on your feet, everybody. 
Praise be to God. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Say it out loud. Father God, I do trust you. I trust you as my creator. I trust Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I trust your Holy Spirit as my guide, my teacher, my helper. Forgive me, Lord, for any times that I didn't listen, that I was not willing, or I didn't obey. Any things that you showed me in times past that I let slip, that I didn't act on, I ask of your mercies. Show me again. Remind me, please. Open my eyes. Help me to see. I know you don't make it hard. It's the enemy always trying to interfere, always trying to complicate things, confuse things. But I trust you, my Lord and my God. Help me to pray in the Holy Spirit. Help me to pray with spirit utterance about the next steps in my life right now in Jesus' name. Now pray in the Spirit. Oko imege Speak out by faith. Helping us to pray out the plan and the mystery, the derainasso, the degrisiste vredebala, the divine direction. Monui lebo, manui nisa, manui nesokuma, tenan, baran, nafa, mahalenishi, yewa, yewa. No rayewa, Lishapel na ekamiente akia. Your thoughts are good thoughts, good plans, good things. Mian quea, mantichan, andela min sera. Giropuna, elena makani. Let there come more enlightenment, more light, and confirmation. In the hearts of all that are here, Lord, your plan, your purposes, your will, your ways. Oh, sake, fe la ho, su la ka, ma landi, ni nenga, esechi, mi nana. Yes, yes, yes. Manani, necesito, kamangero, vomambrisa, namantane. Ah, li li listen just a moment. Listen just a moment. I heard, the, keep your eyes closed. I heard these words in my spirit. I believe the Lord is saying, don't be afraid to obey me. Don't be afraid to listen and hearken and take heed. Don't be afraid to step out, to turn loose of what you've known and step out. Even though you don't know, I'll be there. I'm with you every step of the way. 
I have more for you. I have much more for you. Oh, good plans. Oh, good things, good involvements, good ministry, enabling you to give like you have not imagined, enable you, enabling you to be a part of things you did not think possible. I have more for you. Believe it. Receive it. Lay hold of it with your spirit. And by faith, be willing. Be willing. Trust me. And don't be afraid to obey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Respond. Say, Lord, I trust you. I, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I, I, won't, I won't yield to fear. I won't let fear hold me back. I won't let fear hold me out. I won't, let, I won't be afraid to obey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's just thank him by faith for a few moments for hearing our prayers and answering our prayers, reminding us of things that he's shown us in the past, showing us the next steps and the next parts. If you're willing, that means you have ears to hear now. That means you're going to hear some things. You're going to hear some things. You're going to see some things. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I heard this too. This is also the answer to numerous things that you've been asking me about, the Lord said. When you obey, then the money and the job and the things will come your way. When you obey, then the body will line up and the symptoms will go away. When you obey, then the relationships will be restored and the peace will return and will increase and be better. Obeying answers many things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, uh, when everything was shut down for, for weeks and weeks, uh, I was praying for our people and other people in the body because I knew a lot of folks were hurting financially. Materially, uh, businesses shut down, closed, jobs lost, savings depleted. And uh, the Lord spoke something to me I did not expect. Because I was praying how, you know, Lord help the people. And he said uh, to my heart, he said, he said, many people want my help, but are not interested in my things. How many know that's an issue? That's. That's a problem. They, they, again, it's like we said earlier, they just see God as an add-on to the life they want to live. But he's not just supposed to be a helper to you. Uh, he's your Lord. He's got a plan. And uh, so let's, let's uh, affirm that we don't just only want his help 
we also care about his things. Do you? Would you say that? We care about his church. We care about preaching the gospel to our generation, right? We, we care about building the kingdom. We care about his things. Come on, sit out loud. Lord, I do. I care about your things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.